Take everything that you ever thought Christmas is. The way we celebrate Christmas, everything you associate with Christmas, I don't know why, I mean shopping bags, big beautiful lit up trees, snow, right? Parties, fancy dinners, dressing up, new clothes, new things, stress. <laughs> but if Christmas is anything, it's humble. That's what it is. It's really amazing, I think, the way we celebrate Christmas. I mean, the way we celebrate Christmas, all of the elements that, are, that we associate with Christmas every single season is very much the opposite of what Christmas is. It's the opposite of the way it happened, of what happened in every possible way. Small, unknown, insignificant, poor, unable to buy gifts. Christmas is a humble event in every way imaginable. And the Luke 2 Christmas story can be one of those sections of scripture, I think, that we're so familiar with that we're not actually that familiar with it at all. I mean, we know what it says because we know that this is where we get the season that we celebrate. And so it's so it's one of the most familiar stories to us. But sometimes I think even though we know what it says, we don't really know what it means. And when there's a clue given in chapter 2, verse 11, when he speaks, to, when the angel speaks to the shepherds, the angel gives us a clue about what it means when he says this about Jesus. And I quote, he is Christ the Lord. Lord here is preeminent. That's what this means. It means he is the ruler over all, and he's come to be with us. This Lord is the rightful, exclusive position of Jesus Christ. Lord. Some of us can be so familiar with the Christmas story that we try and insert Jesus into whatever our worldview is. Because we all have a, a worldview. What is a worldview? It's, it's just your perception of things. Typically, our worldview has been shaped by our experiences. It can be shaped by a lot of things, by your experiences, by your upbringing, by your education, by your family. I mean, it could be any number of things. Every time you experience something different, it's shaping your worldview. And anytime you ponder something and change your mind about something, your worldview is being shaped. And we're always tweaking, we're always shaping our worldview, which is just our perception of life and existence and reality. Our worldview, our perception of reality, every single person's worldview begins with their perception of God. God or not God. It, it, it begins there. Like, where did we come from? What is the purpose of all this? That's what a worldview is. So your worldview begins there with your perception of God and reality. And your worldview includes how you perceive your relationship with this God and your purpose in this life, your purpose of your life and what happens with your life and all of those big existential questions. That's what your worldview is. And so what I want us to do is I really want us to treasure and ponder and consider these things. These things. What does it mean that God became a man? What does it mean that Jesus came and when he came, he came very humbly. Like all the circumstances surrounding the way he came was extremely humble. What does it mean and what does it mean that this humble Savior is Lord and what does that mean in the way, in light of the way I perceive reality? How does this story, how does this impact my worldview? 
The reason why you need to compare it with your worldview, your current worldview and your current life and direction and purpose is because of this. I don't want any of us to interject Jesus into a false ideology because that happens all the time. It happens all the time. You see, some, are, some people are so familiar with the birth story of Jesus and the nativity set, right, on the mantle and the lights on the house and the songs on the radio, that they have this prevailing worldview of Christmas and thus a prevailing worldview of Christianity, and they just stick Jesus into it. This is my worldview of things, and I'm going to stick Jesus into it. And he is, as the angel says, Christ the Lord. That's who he is. The angel says, this is what Christianity is. He is, it means he is Lord. And what that means is this, this is not a world religion. This is where we get ourselves into trouble as Christians with the world, right? When we say this, but you know what? So be it. It's not a world religion. It's the truth. It's about Jesus. And the story is that God is the creator and he is eternally existing. He's a spirit being, that he is the creator who made this physical world in which we live, the heavens as well, and the earth, and all that is. And God made us male and female in his likeness with dignity and value and worth. And God spoke to us in relationship. He gave us moral standards and commands to obey that we might be able to enjoy life in a perfect world. But instead, we chose to disobey and sin, which introduced this perfect creation to what we know as death which comes because of sin basically what happened in the garden was they chose to follow Satan rather than God the same thing we do we prefer to choose lies over truth and in doing so they traded intimacy with God for hiding from God which is what we still do because of sin creation then has been affected all throughout history and everything we know in this life is stained and marred by sin but then God came, even then, in Genesis chapter 3, God came and he promised them in Genesis 3, 15, our, our first parents, he promised them that one day there would be one who would come in human history as a man born of a woman. And the Old Testament prophets declared that he would be born before 70 AD when the temple was destroyed because he would go to the temple, that he would be born to the virgin woman, that he would be born in this little small town of Bethlehem, that his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us, that his birth would be announced by angels, that he would come as the Savior, that all of this would take place. Then the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, hey, you're going to have this child. You're the one. You're chosen. You're going to name him Jesus, which means he is our Savior, meaning that the Creator would enter into creation that God would come among us, that he would come as savior, that he would come to live in poverty and humility and simplicity, that he would come made like us to identify with us, that he would suffer, that he would be betrayed, that he would be abused, that he would be berated and belittled, that he would ultimately be shamed and mocked and scorned and that we, those who created, we would be the ones to do that. We're the ones that did that to him. We killed God. And that God would willingly die in our place for our sins. And that he would rise to give us salvation. And that he would reconcile sinners to God because he is the God man who is able to reconcile man to God. And so we come from God. We belong to God. We're here for God and for his glory. And by the Holy Spirit, God is here with us while we live in this world, in this life. And even still, he promises us that one day we'll stand before God and experience a perfect eternity with God where sin and all of its effects are reality no more. That's 
the truth. That's Christianity. And the way this all works itself out in life is absolutely practical. It is very practical. I get really frustrated when I hear people say things like, well, I'm not into philosophy or theology. I just need a practical. Just give me the practical. Okay, I'll give you practical. Here's practical. What you think determines how you live. What you believe determines how you live. So what you think determines how you suffer. What you think determines how you work. What you think determines how you speak. What you think determines how you die. You see, what you think and believe determines everything else in your life. Oh, this is practical. And what I love is this. God has come to make himself seen. Jesus, they saw him. He's come to make himself known. Don't you love that? You see, the story of the whole Bible is this over and over and over again. It's God saying, I come down to you. You don't go up to me. It's about me being humbled, not you being religious. And then Jesus comes, born of a woman, and he comes humbly into human history. He comes as our Savior. You want to know what all the other worldviews have in common? Every worldview begins with your perception of God. So there's atheism, there, there is no God. Ag agnosticism is sort of a worldview, it's just sort of a, there may be a God, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna even think about that. Deism, monism, theism, it pretty much includes all the others besides Christianity. The one thing they all have in common is this. God's not the savior. You're your own savior in all these other worldviews. There is no savior. In Christianity, God is the Savior. He's the hero. He's the rescuer. He's the redeemer. He's the hope. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like good news to me. Jesus is a Savior. He's Christ, the Lord. He doesn't do evil. He's altogether good. He has suffered for you just as you're suffering right now and he will comfort you because he understands. And he'll teach you about himself. And one day you'll get to enjoy eternity with Jesus and an entire family of other children of God who love him as well. And even now, even now while you're here walking with Jesus, even in regardless of your circumstance, he can restore your hope. He can restore the hope within you that you have maybe never felt or experienced. The kind of hope that you've never known in football or with friends or with school or work or concerts or parties. He's come to be with us so that we can have the confidence that there can be hope and joy in any circumstance. Now, when we hear that, that sounds like good news, doesn't it? Of great joy. 